First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show, where college football playoff contenders earn the right to be discussed and where the playoff never ends. Now, here are your hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Thanks, everyone, joining us here on the Wednesday edition. This is for everybody on every podcast platform. Shahan of CBS Sports, Doug of, of the world. I'm a man of the people. Shahan, you've, you've come to know that about me. Man of the people, right? Don't you think that's about me? I'm just a regular guy. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Something, something like that. I hope more people aren't like me. All right, so listen, what we're going to do, we're going to invite teams into our playoff discussion. We're going to kick a team out of our playoff discussion. And then Shahan and I are going to rank the teams this week, not on how good they are right now, but on the likelihood that they will actually make the playoff, which is a slight twist, but kind of the same, but not exactly the same. Cause we're trying to project a little bit because we're getting, we're getting, we're not there yet, right? It's November when we get to the playoff committee stuff, but we got to be thinking like the committee. So we got to think how we think they might think. So we first have to decide, okay, should somebody join the party here, Shahan? Shahan, these were the nominees that I asked our tech subscribers. If you subscribe to the text, then you're our friend. That's the deal. You're our friend for a dollar a month. We will be your friends. And we ask you, hey, who should be in the playoff discussion? Who should be kicked out of the playoff discussion? And some other fun surveys, little tidbits in your phone. I think it's worth it. A dollar a month, 817442. Six, seven, eight, nine. Shahan, I asked about three teams this week whether they should join the mix. The first one was Michigan. Wins against Wisconsin, runs the ball again. 38-17 over Wisconsin. They're now 5-0. and oh. Michigan Wolverines, I asked, oh, should they be in? Then I asked about BYU. We just did a big, if you guys listen to it, it's on Apple Podcasts. Exclusive there. Lots of you have, have Apple, so lots of you have access to it. It's $2.99 a month for all the Tuesday episodes. We talked a lot about Cincinnati on that Tuesday episode and their playoff chances. And we did get this text, Shahan, in the course of that. Our guy, Brian, who's a tech subscriber, said, I think you have to discuss BYU if you're going to discuss Cincinnati due to their remaining strength of schedule. And my answer to that is no, we don't. Because we did it. But BYU <laughs> does have wins over Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah so far. So that's three Pac-12 wins. It's almost like BYU's the best team in the Pac-12, except I don't know that that's that impressive. So they're not a Power 5 team, but like the Power 5 league that they're dominating is not very good. So BYU is on our list. We'll get to them in a second. The other one, Wake Forest. 5-0 and Wake Forest. I said last week we would have a top 10 list of names for Wake Forest podcasts. I didn't do that yet. We have plenty of time to get to it. <laughs> plenty of time to get to Wake Forest podcast names. Should 5-0 and Wake Forest after a 37-34 win over Louisville, should they be in? Shahan, let's start with Wake Forest. Would you put Wake Forest in our playoff discussion at 5-0? and As And the ACC has nobody right now. Sorry, ACC. Well, everyone knows that I am the preeminent uh Wake Forest stand in the national media because apparently that's what I am these days. Uh, it, but no, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't do it yet. Right. Like, I mean, they, they are a really good team. I think that if they run through undefeated through their schedule, I do think that they will have more than a chance. Right. Like, I think they're getting through, even though this isn't the best version of Clemson, who, by the way, fell out of the AP top 25. I, you know, they'll beat North Carolina State along the way, who's ranked right now. I think Boston College has a chance to maybe get back into that conversation. I don't know. Like, look at their wins right now. I think Virginia's a decent team. Louisville's 
fine, and they kind of barely beat them. And then it's Old Dominion, Florida State, Norfolk State. I, I, I'm not ready. I, I don't think I can do it as yet. No, I, I that's that's the correct answer, by the way. You don't have to apologize for any of that. They are the only undefeated team left in the ACC at 5-0. Yes. and oh. And I just don't know. At some point, if you're undefeated in a Power 5 conference and we're halfway through the year, like we're going to have to put you in the discussion because there's not going to be that there's not going to be 11 other teams more worthy than you but like we're not there with them yet and I don't know when we'll get there because as you said their win so far I don't know they have Syracuse next then a bye then army then duke so the, I think they could get to 8 and 0 and have us still be like eh. and then it's UNC NC State Clemson BC so like I just if they get to eight, no, I think we'll put them in leading into those games. I just don't know how we would do it ahead of that. So you're a no, I'm a no on Wake Forest. The tech subscribers, 95% no. <laughs> BYU, are you inclined at all on BYU right now with the point that the tech subscriber made? So what's interesting about BYU this year is that last year, I, I, I mean, I kind of thought that they were going to maybe struggle this year because they lost Zach Wilson to the NFL, who's a great quarterback for them. It, it, this is a schedule that can, I think, get them into the playoff, right? Because you mentioned three Pac-12 wins at this point. They beat Utah State, who I think is pretty decent. They get Boise at Baylor, at Washington State, Virginia, Idaho State, Georgia Southern, and then at USC. So, like, I actually do think that that's probably enough that if they go undefeated, that they will be there at the very end. Um, I, I don't... This is tough. I... I'm probably close to 50-50 on this. I would lean no right now if I had to pick. But, um, I, I mean, I think that they definitely have a, 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 ch- a chance. And it's because they've beaten, you know, an Arizona State team who's back in the top 25. Uh, they really are the reason that Utah's kind of in shambles right now. They kind of sent them there. Um, Arizona's not very good. South Florida, I wish they looked better against. Like, they have a case. I think I'd lean no, though. Yeah, no, no, no on BYU. And I get, I get the like, hey, if you're going to talk about Cincinnati, I, that's not compelling to me at all. That's not compelling to me at all. I get it theoretically, but like Cincinnati earned this, man. Like chill out, just chill out a little <laughs> bit, BYU. Now, I mean, BYU was 11 and one last year. So we talked about Cincinnati sort of like building up to this. I mean, BYU you know, kind of did too, but they also lost their quarterback and Cincinnati brought its quarterback back. So we will get to BYU. They're, I mean, they're very high in in the polls right now. People seem to like them, but I am not compelled. I am not compelled to talk about BYU yet. So it's two no's from us, 85% no from the tech subscriber, Shahan. So that leaves us with Michigan. Again, we are at 11 right now. We'll kick somebody out of at later on this pod. So we're, we're still going to have room. We could have accepted more than one. We are not going to kick out more than one team this week, although we could have. Easily. Daniel suggested that. I don't know what the show policy is on this one, but I think we got to be allowed to vote to drop three teams this week. <laughs> We're not because I think I could show you cases how teams could still crawl back in. If you had a terrible loss, but I can still look at your path and say, well, I don't think it's impossible for you to sort of win the rest of your games and if you do you would get a lot of you know your uh credit back i i don't feel the need to like sort of jump the gun and boot out multiple teams so we're not going to boot out multiple teams but we do have room to add michigan if we want to are where are you on michigan they have been a team that has run the ball like crazy do you think they're one-dimensional do you think they have a lot that they still yet could show. Do you want them in? So they're number nine in the country in the AP top 25 right now. I do feel like we have to mention that um, they beat Wisconsin, who's like kind of the first decent team that they played, although Wisconsin might not be very good, but they won by three touchdowns, right? It wasn't close. They they dominated them um, on the road, no, no less. The other thing too, that I have to think about, and I think is maybe coming into my thought a little bit is that I don't know exactly when we'd add them if we don't just add them now because we'd probably have to wait until they play Michigan State on October 30th and that's I mean that's 25 days from now 24 days from now that's a long time I I mean I think that there's a case because 
if if they win their next two games, which I think they better win the, their next two games on the road against Nebraska versus Northwestern, right? Then they're sitting at seven and zero, and we're potentially not having them in the discussion. I, I I think that I'm leaning towards yes, but I will say you look at their five wins. I don't think that there's an especially impressive one. I don't think that there's one that I necessarily expected them to have any trouble with, especially once we realize that Wisconsin might not be very good. Um, I'm leaning towards yes, but like it's like fifty one forty nine. I just want to correct one thing real quick here because we we just like to try to be factually correct on the college football playoff show. Um, I believe you said Wisconsin might not be good. Wisconsin is not good. <laughs> but they made them look not good is the other thing that I'll say too, which I think that if you are a good team, you make not good teams look not good. That That is fair. But also just to be clear, Wisconsin's going to go six and six. So I do think, and this is what intrigues me about this, because Harbaugh is doing a little something here that, is sort of hard to wrap your head around, but it also might be the exact right thing to do. And he is working in the five-star freshman quarterback. Cade McNamara has been the starter. J.J. McCarthy came in the game against Wisconsin when it was 13-10 to 10 on the road. It's in the balance. And they put in the true freshman quarterback because they like him a little bit in the zone read, get to the edge. He's a little more athletic. I think of more of a run threat than Cade McNamara, but they didn't recruit him to be a run threat. He threw one pass against Wisconsin, and it was a 56-yard touchdown that he dropped <laughs> right in the bucket on the sideline. Right. Matt Matt Weiss, their quarterback's coach during the week, said, to paraphrase, uh, I, I wrote it down, but my handwriting is so awful. My <laughs> handwriting looks like I kidnapped somebody, and I'm sending a letter to your house. And I actually I wrote a book about Ohio State, and people can buy it from me directly, and, and I sign it. Again, I've I've been working on my autograph. That's how that's where my life is right now because I'm <laughs> signing these books. The the king of uh the king of Ohio, man, man. Ooh. I haven't signed my name in like a year. I don't even I can't write anymore. We just type. You don't use checks anymore. So I'm figuring out how to sign my name. But then I have to write the address label, and it's like I am sending you a book. It looks like I'm sending a murder package to somebody's house, and like <laughs> someone's family is gonna be like, you uh you got this package in the mail. It looks like it was the label was written by a serial killer. I think it might be a bomb threat. It's like, oh, that's just that Ohio State book I got. So I apologize <laughs> to anybody for my handwriting. So I'm paraphrasing Matt Weiss, but he said something like, I think in a lot of places, JJ would probably be the starting quarterback right now, but we we have the luxury where we don't have to throw him in the fire right away, right? So he didn't say we don't have to throw him in the fire this year. He said we don't have to throw him in the fire right away. I do think, Shahan, it's possible that they are easing him in and that by the time Michigan gets to go time at the end of the year against Penn State and Ohio State, I think J.J. McCarthy might be their starting quarterback or having a much bigger role, some kind of timeshare. It's not that Cade McNamara hasn't been fine, but they've run the ball so much. So I'm intrigued by that, and I'd rather get ahead of it. So I want to put Michigan in our discussion as well. And guess what? So do the tech subscribers. 64% say yes, put Michigan in. So Michigan, welcome to the discussion. And for right now, that means we have 12 teams in our playoff discussion. And it will be very interesting to kind of parse these Big Ten teams. We Again, Michigan State, I did not put on the list to think about putting in. They're 11th in the AP poll. I think it's nuts that they're that high. I get it. It's hard to find other teams to rank. I understand that. But like that's they are not at that level yet. I do think Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, all from the Big Ten, all deserve our attention. And they are now four of the 12 teams that are in. When we come back, we're going to start ranking teams based on their chances of making the playoff. And I do really want to dive into this Iowa-Penn State game this weekend as we try to figure out what chance, what the chances are of either of those teams making the playoff. That's going to tell us something about who we think is going to win Saturday in Iowa City. We'll do that next in the College Football Playoff Show. In case you missed the last College Football Playoff Show. I could envision a playoff that is two SEC teams against two teams from Ohio. I don't know how well that would go for the teams from Ohio! <laughs> 
Georgia is no country for old men. Alabama, they're the where will be blood guy. Ohio State, they could be like the George Clooney movie. And then Cincinnati could be Juno. But I do think possibly no country for old men and there will be blood would stop Juno and the George Clooney movie when it got down to it. <laughs> I can envision it. I think that'll be really interesting to see Michael Sarah go up against George Clooney uh, in, a, in a playoff game. <laughs> Get in on the fun. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts for exclusive college football playoff show bonus episodes. Doug and Shahan, and I'm actually, because this podcast is nothing, it's created from nothing. It's not like there's a rule. It's not written down. Nobody chiseled it in a, in a stone and said, this is how you have to do this podcast. I'm going to jump the gun. Okay. Because sometimes I think it makes sense to have our whole discussion and then kick somebody out at the end. And it frankly, it builds the drama. But sometimes it's like, why would we spend two more minutes talking about this team? And we're going to talk about them. We're going to try to rank them and be like, and then at the end, it's going to be like, of course, we're kicking them out. So we're going to boot early. We're going to do some booting now. Because, Shahan, I asked the good people, which team should be cooked out of the, cooked out of the playoff discussion? We had four teams of our 11 lose this week. Let us down. But I've, I mean, like a couple of them played other better teams. So what do you do? So I did say four and one Arkansas after a loss to Georgia. Should we kick them out? Four and one Oregon after a loss to Stanford. Should we kick them out? Three and one Ole Miss after a loss to Alabama. Should we kick them out? Or three and two Texas A&M losing to Mississippi State the week after they lost to Arkansas. Shahan, who do you want to kick out of the discussion? Well, one of these things is not like the other. One of them has a two by it. And if you have a two by your name and two losses, by the way, in the SEC, I, I don't think that there's a path for you forward. And the thing is, right, if, if they had two losses, but one was, let's say, a non-conference loss and that one conference loss, like, because actually, I mean, we'll we'll get to how we're, you know, obviously letting teams into the playoff right now uh, or how we see teams, whatever the phrasing we used was. But, um, you know, I actually think that Texas A&M, the one thing that they have in front of them is that they still do have Alabama left on the schedule. And so like they, you know, so maybe there's a chance that you can put together a tiebreaker versus Alabama. Cause that's going to be the team that you're going up against at the end. But like, I don't know, that's not going to happen, right? They're going to get murdered this week and it's going to be three losses and they're going to be sitting here at three and three or whatever. Like it's not happening. I, I think the Texas A&M is clearly the team uh, to kick out at this point. So listen, I am almost like personally offended by Texas A&M's loss to Mississippi State. <laughs> yes. Because I went back and I watched the whole thing. And this was this Why? stretch for Alabama. Well, because I wanted to see how bad it was. And then I was like, but no, I honestly felt, I felt the whole time. I will say, so listen, we're covering games on the weekend. It's like, I had a bunch of stuff going on. I didn't just sit down and watch college football all weekend. So then you go back and watch it knowing the result. But I felt like, Texas A&M was going to pull it out the whole time. Yep. Because the crowd was going nuts. They still have Devon A-Chain, who I still love, and Isaiah Spiller. They have Jalen Weidermeyer at tight end, who is still a matchup nightmare. And the whole game, it was just setting up for like, okay, okay, here comes the drive. Okay, here. And they kept getting stops when they needed too late. Here comes the drive. Here we go. And then it didn't happen. Listen, Zach Calzada is just kind of not the guy, and I get it. But there's just something about playing, winning football, and they still, I'm going to be sad to not watch Spiller and A-Chain every week and think about them in a playoff context because I still love those dudes, and I still don't understand. I know you got Mike Leach. I get it, right? I get it. All right, he's a genius. He likes Pirates. So I get it, but I still, I don't know how they didn't win. Yep. Because they still had these moments when Spiller would make a great play. And then Calzada, as we said a million times, he's hot, he's cold, he scrambles in for a touchdown to bring them back. They had this play right after, I think it was, they had the drive where Calzada scrambled in for a touchdown to cut it 24-19. They go for two, don't make it. So they're down 24-19. The next drive, Mississippi State's third and 16. And they throw an incomplete pass. And there's just this kind of unnecessary handsy play by Texas A&M in the secondary where they kind of grabbed the guy that I don't think it was going to be a completed pass anyway. And it was, they gave him a first down on the third and 16 when they should have been right at the moment of like, okay, here we go, right? This is where 
you get a stop, and now Texas A&M drives for the go-ahead score. But still, Mississippi State, that drive stays alive. They wind up trying a 49-yard field goal because they get two straight false start penalties because the crowd is going so nuts. They miss the 49-yarder. They get the ball back with 8-11 left. And the first play is Devon A-Chain breaking a tackle and running 38 yards. And it's like, here it ha- here it is. It's right here. And they get first and 10 at the 18-yard line. They throw it in the end zone incomplete. They run it and get stuffed. And they throw it in the end zone again. Where I just would have, I would have gone wildcat with Spiller and A-Chain. I run the freaking ball. I don't, what are they doing? They wound up like putting the game in the hands of Zach Calzada when they had the best running back tandem in the country. I want to talk about them. And now I'm not allowed to because we have to kick them out. Jimbo, Jimbo, what is happening? I mean, I don't want to make this the gigum whatever podcast, but they are starting right now, like between one and three true freshmen on the offensive line. And I could go deep into the failures along the way that have made us get to this point to where uh where they're starting a true freshman at center now that uh now that luke matthews is out for the year um but i mean that's it right like you mentioned it with, with the uh chain run like it was oh he broke a tackle and went with isaiah spiller it's oh he broke four tackles they can't block anybody right and because they can't block anybody and also can't spread the field with their quarterback there's nothing they really can do and for people who didn't watch the game, because because like you said, it felt every moment because it was always a one score game. You know, Texas A&M was always right there. Uh, the moment and this is like, I, I don't remember I, I the last time I saw a game involving a team that's supposed to be good and like this. So Texas A&M drops back. They're like within their own five yard line. And Zach Calzada tries to escape the pressure and gets tripped up in the end zone for a safety. And that's how the last drive ends. Like, yep. what is that? I, I'm trying to remember the last time that a decent team lost like that. And it, I don't know. I, I don't know. It was embarrassing. Um, and, and I want to be very clear, right? Mississippi State is the team that was consensus picked to go last place in the SEC West. And they come into Kyle Field and throw for 400 yards on them. I, it was bizarre. Uh, I think that I think that AM fans right now, just being in the state of Texas, I think a lot of them are like, well, six and six, here we come, that sort of thing. And there's a lot of losable games left on that schedule. Hey, guess what? They get Alabama this week. So it's I could go on for hours about this. We shouldn't do that. Uh Texas AM's my vote. I assume it's your vote. I'm assuming that's where the Texas wants as well. So so let me just I want to fit so twenty-four carries for one sixty-nine combined for Spiller and A Chain. <laughs> They're awesome. Only 24. That's nowhere near enough. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. Can I say this? Can I, by the way, everybody kicked them out. The Texters <laughs> kicked them out. It wasn't even close. I mean, of course, everyone. Texas A&M's 87% of the vote for getting kicked out. Old Miss 6, Oregon 4, Arkansas 3. So they all live for another week, but they're all, all on alert. Can I say, can I, I'm going to go back to the well. I'm not saying Texas A&M's going to beat Bama. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, but, Don't I'm going to drop a but in that sentence. The uh, line opened at 14 and a half. It's already moved to 17 and a half. It's at College Station. And I just want to say, there are enough pieces. They, they've played no, 12 not. different offensive. No, they've played not. a 12. <laughs> they've played 12 different offensive line combinations this year. If Jimbo, can they go into the cave and draw something special up? Can they no. come out? Can they make Isaiah Spiller the quarterback? Can they do something? Your season's shot. So let it all hang out against Bama. I'm just curious to see. They have they have three great offensive pieces, right? They have three great offensive pieces. The two running backs and, and Weidemeyer. They have a couple good defenders. They have some talent. They have some gaping holes, mainly offensive line and quarterback, which are kind of important. <laughs> Also, also, just to be clear, I, I've mentioned this before. I don't think they're very good at receiver. So they've got two awesome running backs and a tight end who hasn't been able to do anything because his quarterback can't get him the ball. And I guess we can run the like the the lead option sort of, uh, you know, just the running backs running behind Weidermeyer because that's that's all they got. And by the way, the other thing, too, I just want to 
because we're talking so much about the offense and their issues, they lost two of their top three cornerbacks for the season. And they're about to go play John Mechie in Alabama. So uh, good luck with that one. Okay. I'm not saying it's probable. So, okay, they have three out of 11 good offensive players. I'm just curious. I want I just want to see my guys. I want to see a Chaden Spiller against Alabama. I'm curious that, again, peak A&M, right? A&M at its best, preseason A&M. This was a game that a lot of people circled, right? Are they so far removed from what we thought that it's now laughable? Yes. Or can they get back, can they get to some best version of themselves that can hang a little bit, hang a little bit? Or no, you're laughing, like you think it's laughable. If you set the line at 30, I'd still take Alabama. I, I think that this <laughs> is going to be a bloodbath. I think that A&M is going to score less than 17 points. And I think that Alabama is going to score well over 40 points. So I just, this this game, I understand. Texas A&M still has one of the nation's best defensive lines. They have one of the nation's best running back combos, like you mentioned, and they don't have anything else that makes a football team. And, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's cool. I, I don't know. I mean, this, it, honestly, I, the comparison's kind of there. They're kind of Clemson right now, except they have, uh, they have a running back instead of a quarterback. So like, I don't know. Would you, would you take Clemson right now to, to compete against Alabama? I wouldn't, but that, that's kind of what this team is, except, except probably worse. Fine. Okay. I just wanted to, I'm trying to find the good because people thought maybe this would be a big season for Texas A&M. And of course it's not. All right. So Michigan in Texas A&M oot. We took care of that. So we don't have to worry about that later. So now we can just rank. The 11 actual contenders that we have, Shahad, in order of how we think they're, what their chances are of actually making the playoff. So this is not where they are right now. This is trying to assess where we think they are sort of in their path as a team. How much better do we think they'll get? How tough is their schedule? What's our conference like? Are they going to win their conference? So who is your, I guess, well, no, I don't have to reset. People know who the teams are. Who is your number 11? on this list, Shahan. So this this is an interesting one, by the way, because like you mentioned, you got to take into account uh, how these teams are, like the quality of their teams, what they have going forward, their chance of beating those teams, and also sort of what's going to happen around. And so for that reason, I have Ole Miss 11. And the reason for that, uh, because I will say, I mean, we can just go ahead and jump into it too. I have Arkansas 10. And the thing that differentiates them for me is that Ole Miss has already played Alabama and so they can't conceivably have a tiebreaker over Alabama whereas conceivably Arkansas could beat Alabama and then you know if they're they have one loss they have a chance to make it to the SEC title game whereas Ole Miss is basically already eliminated from the SEC title game and in a lot of ways I think is eliminated uh that's going to make it very difficult for them to make the playoffs so I think that uh that Ole Miss right now is my number 11. I completely agree with the reasoning on both those teams. I have Ole Miss 11. I have Arkansas 10 for the exact same reason, because as long as Arkansas still has the chance to beat Bama, yeah, you know, Ole Miss doesn't have a chance to impress anybody anymore. And they've lost, they lost their biggest game. So that's kind of it for them. And they're probably going to be out, out of our rankings soon. I, I did look at like the uh, playoff predictor on ESPN. It only goes, I think, 15 deep. Old Miss was on there at number 15 with a 3% chance to make the playoff. They didn't have Arkansas on there. I guess it's because, because like you couldn't view it backwards. Like, well, Old Miss doesn't, Arkansas already lost to Georgia and has to play Alabama. But once you lose, playing a good team is not a has to, it's a get to. Right. And so Arkansas gets to because they have something great they still could do. Are they going to do it? No, they're not going to do it. <laughs> but they have the opportunity and Old Miss has lost that opportunity. All right. Theoretically possible. So who is your number nine then? We agree Ole Miss is 11 and Arkansas is 10. So we enter another tier here, I think. And so number nine at the bottom of my Big Ten tier, I've got Michigan. I, I think that right now they do have games in front of them where they can prove themselves. But to me, until they prove that they're not going to be scared of Ohio State, right, that game is going to be there. And they're not going to have the tiebreaker in that case over Ohio State. So like that's what it's going to take. I think that Penn State, even though Penn State might be at least comparable, if not a slightly worse team than Michigan, I don't think that they kind of have that same 
this this sounds really mean, but that mental disadvantage against Ohio State that I think that Michigan has created for itself. And so Michigan, they have, I think, still a really good chance because they still have an opportunity to play Penn State. They still have an opportunity to play Ohio State. If they go and they get through the schedule with a loss that's and find a way to make the conference championship game. Or even if they go, if they go 11 and one and narrowly miss out on the, uh, on the conference championship game, I still think that they have a pretty decent chance of making it. But, uh, I, I think right now their path is a little murkier than the rest of the, the Big Ten. I did. I, in the end, wound up sort of ranking the Big Ten teams based on like who I think the best Big Ten teams are. Cause it's like sure. they all sort of have a similar opportunity and, who's going to win the games and Michigan is probably going to get, as we talked about, I think on uh, earlier when we let them in, they should get to seven and zero. but then they have like a lot of ghosts, man at Michigan state. That's always an issue for them in the Harbaugh era. Then home Indiana at Penn state. I mean, that's a tough, tough game, man at Maryland and then home versus Ohio state. So if J.J. McCarthy, this is about J.J. McCarthy elevating that offense to the next level. The run game is solid. Aiden Hutchinson is one of the best defensive players in America at defensive end. And if J.J. McCarthy or just Cade McNamara even plays a little bit, they just have not asked much of Cade McNamara. If the quarterback play improves, they've got some ceiling left there as well. But I agree that Michigan, of the four Big Ten teams that are in, they are my lowest. You have Michigan overall number nine. I had Michigan eight. Okay. So we're in agreement there. So who is your number eight? Yeah. My, well, who's your number nine? Well, it might be your number eight. So I have Oregon. I have Oregon nine. I have them actually up a little higher. I have them at number six. And the reason that I say that is because Oregon's path is still very easy. And if they go through and if they go 12 and one and, you know, they've got Cal at UCLA versus Colorado at Washington versus Washington State at Utah versus Oregon State. So they should should win all of those games. And so if they do, th- not only do I think that they have a really good chance, they still would have a tiebreaker versus Ohio State if Ohio State is the Big Ten champion yes. at the end of the year. So I think that that does matter. No, no, I do say that. And we're in a world where Ohio State already three weeks later, whatever, is ranked ahead of Oregon because Oregon lost, which I think is insane, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think that when it comes down to it, if both those teams, hypothetically, Ohio State and Oregon, are conference champions at the end of the year, I think that they, uh, that Oregon would have a slight edge. I do imagine both would get into the playoff, but um, but I do think that that's going to give them a little bit of a trump card until they don't have it. The other thing, too, that, like, I, I just have to mention is, like, they they should not have lost that game to Stanford. Stanford got so many extra opportunities because of lucky breaks. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to blame Russ because the reality is if you're in a position where the rest can impact a game, it means that you haven't played a good enough game to that point. But like things got real weird at the end there. Um, they were without Joe Moorhead, who I think is one of the most creative offensive coordinators in college football. Now, I don't know when he's going to be back. Like you mentioned, he's actually hospitalized right now. It sounds like he had a medical emergency on Saturday morning. Our thoughts and pressure with him. Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, I do think that they're a different team with Joe Moorhead in the building. Um, so I do think that they're going to probably, I think they have a really good chance to go 12 and one. If they go 12 and one, win the pack 12, then I think that they're in. I have Oregon that low based only on the fact of like, I don't think they're going to do it. That it's all there. Everything is there, as you said, but, and it's, and it's difficult because it's basically the same situation as Michigan. That They have a true freshman quarterback that might be the answer. And you can find plenty of Oregon beat writers and sites that after that Stanford loss are asking whether Ty Thompson needs to be the quarterback for Oregon. Top 50 national recruit in this class. I think the number number seven quarterback in the country. And Anthony Brown like just did not look like the guy. His completion percentage for the year is like 57% or something. He found a way to get it done against Ohio State. And we had a lot of questions. We had questions for our contenders, when we did our quarterback rankings early in the year, we had Jack Cohn and Anthony Brown like sort of in a tier by themselves at the bottom of like, these are the worst quarterbacks for any real contender. And Jack Cohn, in the end, played pretty well early, but in the end has proven why we thought that. And Anthony Brown did what he had to do, made some winning plays, made winning plays on the road at Ohio State. And now he's sort of proving why we said that early in the year. The Joe Moorhead situation, as you said, clearly affected them on Saturday, clearly affected Anthony Brown on Saturday. 
That's a difficulty. Kayvon Thibodeau, their defensive star, who'd been injured, came back against Stanford, but then got ejected for targeting late in that game, which had a little effect on the end. So a lot, a lot went wrong for them. Yes. Against a, a, an okay team. And they still kind of needed like a weird pass interference call to let Stanford to get it to overtime, right? So they might be able to get it back together. And everything you said is true. If they do, they're in. If they run the table, they're in. Yeah. I just don't think they looked like a team, even though they had a lot go wrong. Against Ohio State, it's like they did everything right that day without Kayvon Thibodeau. And then against Stanford, it was like, okay, well, everything went wrong, but you kind of also allowed yourself, while things were going wrong, like you couldn't figure it out against kind of an average team. And I, that just leads me to think, I don't think Oregon's going to be able to get through this season undefeated. And so, and if they don't go undefeated, they're out. No, they're out. they're out. Right. So, I mean, not undefeated, but like, yeah, they have the one loss. They can't afford another. So yeah, undefeated from here. So I don't think it's going to happen. So that's why I had them this low. But to your point, the path is not that hard. If they get quarterback figured out, like why? It does feel to me that Michigan is easing J.J. McCarthy in, not out of desperation because Cade McNamara is clearly not the guy, but because J.J. McCarthy might be better. The Oregon situation is a little bit, the people who are calling for it are like, it's not, Anthony Brown is not the guy. And I think that vibe of the situation matters when you are thinking about going to a true freshman quarterback. Again, we saw it with Notre Dame, right? It's, it's not Jack Cohn. Go to the true freshman. Uh, he's not exactly ready either. So it's a similar situation between Michigan and Oregon, but I view them in different ways. So I have Michigan nine. You have, excuse me, I have Oregon nine. You have Oregon six. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I have to I have to like write all these around because I took off Texas A&M, put Michigan on, so make sure I have the numbers right. But yes, I have them six. All right, so who do you have eight? I have Penn State eight. Um, I'm still not a hundred percent sold on them, and th- the same deal, right? I will I- I'll go ahead and say I have Iowa seven, and the reason that I have Iowa ahead of Penn State is not necessarily because I think that they're going to win the game this weekend. I think that they probably will, but it'll be really close. The bigger reason that I say that is because Iowa only has to win the West, whereas Penn State has to beat Michigan and Ohio State for the East to make the conference championship game. So like Iowa could be in a situation to where they lose this game against uh, against Penn State, win the rest of their games, have one loss, and then it's a play in game. Right. So so like that's what I think their big advantage is. Penn State is their only real game left this year. They're going to play Penn State at home. Then they go Purdue at Wisconsin at Northwest Northwestern, excuse me, Minnesota versus Illinois at Nebraska. And they should pretty easily, I think, win all of those games. So if even if they lose the game this weekend, they're still going to win the West. I think it's going to be a runaway that they win the West. Uh, and then again, that puts you in a position where you're 11 and one with a playoff, a play in game to the college football playoff. All right, so you have Iowa 7, Penn State 8. Yes. I have Iowa 7, Penn State (laughs) 4. Okay. Because I think Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten. The playoff predictor has Ohio State with a 12% chance to get in, Iowa with a 21% chance to get in. So I think the playoff predictor is doing a lot of the reasoning you're doing here, right? That, hey, well, listen, Iowa is going to win the West. Iowa could lose to Penn State this weekend, run the table, and like then either get a rematch with Penn State that with a chance to win it in the Big Ten Championship game, or like Penn State has stumbled along the way and they don't even have to worry about Penn State. So this is not like a des- like a you must win for Iowa. It's really not because I think Iowa is is in as the Big Ten champ, whether they're thirteen and zero or twelve and one, and this is probably the the only game that looks reasonably losable, as you said, left on the regular season schedule. So I don't want to diminish the first top five game of Big Ten teams that doesn't include Ohio State in like 25 years because it's still a big deal. But it's actually, it's not as big of a deal for Iowa as you would think. It is a big deal for Penn State because say Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan start beating each other and go one and one and against those three teams and then who will who has another lo- like Penn State can't afford to stumble. So I do think it is a bigger game for Penn State, but I just I just think Penn State's better because I think they're a little more explosive on offense and I think their defenses are comparable enough in the SP plus rankings. Penn State is 5 on defense, Iowa is 4 on defense. So they're both, I mean it's almost like 
Georgia and Alabama kind of stuff, right? Like they're both awesome defensively. Offensively, Penn State is 23, Iowa is 72. So overall in the SP Plus rankings from Bill Conley at ESPN, Penn State overall is number six. Iowa overall is number 15. That's why I have them there. And I do think that Penn State is going to go on the road to Iowa this week and win. Iowa is a two-point favorite at home. Who do you think is going to win that game this weekend, Shahan? Which doesn't have to be the same as where you rank them and you're thinking for the playoff, but who wins on Saturday? So I understand what you're saying about uh, about them having comparable defenses, especially in the SP Plus. And you know, for people who don't know, right, SP Plus, that's a, a rating that really takes into account like efficiency, right? It's play to play, who plays defense at what level, right? And so Iowa and Penn State play to play, I think, are relatively comparable. The thing that I don't think that uh, that SP Plus takes into account enough. Um, or if in this specific case, I think that generally that's a good uh, rule of thumb is to look at their sort of uh, net efficiency. But Iowa is so disruptive on defense and Penn State isn't right. Like, I mean, they, they are, but like Iowa is like, Iowa uses defense to play offense in a lot of ways, right? They, they are that mm-hmm. good. They, uh, you know, in this past game against Talia Tungavailoa, one of the best quarterbacks, I think, in college football, in my opinion. Five interceptions, right? They they have multiple pick sixes in their first game against Indiana. Uh, they pick off uh, Brock Purdy, I think, three times against Iowa State. And, like, we've reached the point where this isn't, like, a coincidence, right? This isn't just, like, because that's the thing. Turnover plays tend to kind of even themselves out over the course of a season, over the course of a game even. I, I think that Iowa legitimately does things and coaches things and makes decisions and plays defense in a way that does force turnovers and make things easier for their team. So I understand what you're saying about Penn State and them having more on offense because they clearly do. I, I think that Iowa's offense is very okay. But all that said, I think that Iowa right now is is a better team. I think that they're playing better. I think that they they really uh, just work together a little better. I think that they're more proven as well. I think that Iowa State's better than, uh, than Auburn, although – whatever the rankings say, whatever. I think that Iowa State's better than Auburn. Uh, and they really kind of dominated those teams. And the other thing too, right, is that Iowa has dominated teams. Um, I don't think that Penn State has dominated yeah. teams with as much regularity. Uh, it's going to be a really good game, right? I mean, I think this is going to be a really, really good game. But like the other thing, the last thing that I'll take into account for this is I also feel like Sean Clifford is like the perfect type of quarterback for Iowa to take advantage of. You know, he's been fine. He's been efficient. He's completed passes. I, I think he's taken a step forward this year. But like he's also somebody that when he gets under pressure, he gets a little loose with the football. And if he does that, I, I think Iowa can take advantage. So I agree. The pieces in place, especially on the offensive side of the ball, like you, you'd look at it and I think that Penn State's better. But like I just think that Iowa manages games so well. They're also playing at home. Um, I, I think that that's going to be the difference. And the other thing that I'll mention too about Penn State, just kind of a last thing and, and a reason that I have them eight, is because. Not only do you have to go on the road to Iowa, you also have to go on the road to Ohio State. And I think I probably have Ohio State higher on my list than you. And you have to go on the road to Michigan State and you have to play Michigan at home. So like they have three of their top four uh, difficult games are on the road. And again, I, I just haven't seen it to this point, to the point where I'm confident that this is the best team in the Big Ten. I think there's definitely a path for them to be the best team in the Big Ten. Um, But I think that we're going to learn more about whether that can actually happen this upcoming week. Yeah, the schedule for Penn State is is legitimately tough. I do think Penn State's secondary is excellent. Yes. And I also wonder about Spencer Petrus and if they the, I was going to have to throw the ball at least a little bit. I think in this game, even though Tyler Goodson is an excellent running back and and can carry that load, certainly he's Iowa has a better run game offensively than Penn State does. Penn State just does, does not have that kind of dynamic run threat. I you, you watch Penn State and it just the a, a back will like get around the edge and you think like, Oh, this is going to be a big gain. And then he gets like a three yard gain. It's like, what happened? It's like, he's just, they just don't have a dynamic guy. So that does affect them. It does come down to Clifford. I completely agree with you. Iowa leads the nation 16 turnovers forced in their five games. That's forcing more turnovers per game than anybody in the country. And I completely agree that it's not coincidental. Most of the time turnovers are, I think it is not coincidental here, but 
if they don't force some turnovers, I think they're going to have a hard time moving the ball on Penn State because I don't think that this is an offense for Iowa that's just going to take kickoffs and march 75 yards, 75 yards, 75 yards. I think they need short fields. And so that's a really hard thing. I think it's fair to assume they'll force some turnovers and get some points off of it, but it's not a guarantee. It's going to come down to Sean Clifford. This is Sean Clifford's game. Everything about Penn State season is about Sean Clifford because it's the same thing we talked about, man. If we we didn't have Penn State as a contender early on, if we did, we would have talked about Sean Clifford the same way we talked about Anthony Brown and Jack Cohn. He's a veteran, but what has he showed that makes you believe in him? But he has done it more this year. He makes some plays off, off broken plays. He'll scramble. He'll scramble and then keep his eyes downfield and throw. And then Jahan Dotson is as good as any receiver in the country. He is. And so Penn State's got some dudes. And I do think, that's why I thought Iowa State would beat Iowa because I just loved um, Hutchinson from Iowa State. And I thought he's like a dynamic threat that maybe Iowa doesn't quite have. And I know, what is it, Charlie Joyner? What's the Iowa receiver's name? I think that might be right. I think he, right. he's he's shown as as something, he's shown some dynamic capabilities as well. But Jahan Dotson is the most dangerous offensive player in that game, as good as Tyler Goodson is for Iowa. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I just think Penn State is more of a complete team that but Iowa's defense is the best unit Iowa's defense is the best unit but I think Penn State's defense is closer to Iowa's defense than Iowa's offense is to Penn State's offense so uh yeah and and just just to wrap this all up like you said uh you're taking the gamble that Sean Clifford will not make mistakes so good luck with that all right well we can move on I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's hard. So, okay, so I do have Penn State. You have Ohio State then as the best, the team in the Big Ten with the best chance to make the playoff. Is Ohio State your number five, or do you have them even higher than that? Number four. And maybe I'm reading a little too much into going on the road and demolishing Rutgers. Uh, But, you know, I look at the schedule, right? I don't know the team left on the schedule I mean, maybe Maryland, but like that's really going to be able to take advantage of that secondary, right? Because that's been the real issue has been Ohio State secondary, whether they play defense. Uh, and the other thing, too, right, because because I actually think and, and one thing that's interesting is that I do think that I would be very curious to see C.J. Stroud at this point go up against Iowa. I think maybe by the end of the year, whether it's Stroud, whether it's somebody else, I think that they'll have some of those issues maybe worked out a little bit. But like. I don't know the team that's going to take advantage of it right now. In the next couple of weeks, get Maryland at Indiana. So, like, you have two games before you have to play against Penn State, which you get at home, by the way, before you kind of have to have things really cleaned up, in my opinion. And so I still think that, uh, you know, again, they, they play Penn State at home. They play Michigan State at home. I think they should pretty easily win that game. They go on the road to Michi- Michigan. And again, I will pick Michigan to win that football game when they go and win that football game. I'm tired. I'm I'm done with it. I'm not doing it. And so if you kind of go and say, okay, well, they play the two games that maybe are a little tougher at home, and then they go on the road to play against Michigan in their rivalry game, like the path is pretty manageable. Um, you know, for, for having to play, obviously, three top 11 teams, I think the path is pretty manageable. Then you have to play Iowa again in, in the Big Ten championship game. That's going to be a difficult game. It definitely will. But same deal. It puts you in a position where you're playing a play-in game, and for all – Iowa can do and for as impressive as they looked last week against uh, against Maryland I do think that maybe Ohio State just has a little bit too much skill talent for Iowa to be able to handle so I have them at four I don't feel amazing about it but uh, that's where I have them so I have Ohio State at five okay so my my order of Big Ten teams most likely to make the playoff is Penn State Ohio State Iowa Michigan yours is Ohio State, Penn State. No, Ohio no. State. Yours Iowa. is Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan. Yeah, right. So my my thing would be, I think the winner of the Penn State Ohio State regular season game wins the Big Ten. So that's that's where I would be on that. I think both those teams would beat Iowa on a fast track in indoors in Indy in the first weekend in December. So that's why I have it arranged that way. The thing about Ohio State, I do think the difference maker for Ohio State at this point is Travion Henderson, Mm -hmm. the five-star freshman running back. Super dynamic. When he gets in the open field, he puts stuff away. And as good as their receivers are, and C.J. Stroud played very well, 
Um, I still think he left some stuff on the table. People give me a hard time that, well, people think I give CJ Stroud too much of a hard time because I'm still wanting to see some of the special throws. And a lot of times it's like, well, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are open. You don't have to be special. Just get them the ball and they'll do the rest. He did have a great play last week where he avoided a sack and hit Olave and then a, hit like a, threw the ball like 17 yards to Olave and Olave like ju- juked three guys and ran in 40 yards for a touchdown. But Tulsa's bad. And Ohio State led Tulsa 27-20 in the fourth quarter. And Tulsa's bad. Yeah. And since then, yes, Ohio State's gotten better. They rested their quarterback. He looked better. They've made defensive changes. They look better. But it's Akron and Rutgers. So I do think we could be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit with Ohio State. People were high on Rutgers because Rutgers hung with Michigan and only lost to Michigan by seven. It was just, I mean, it's just a talent mismatch. Rutgers never had a chance. The fact that the line was only 15 and a half last week in that game was bonkers. Horrible line. So I, I don't, and you can see the talent on Ohio State's defense, the young talent coming along. You can absolutely see it. They are playing different guys than who played against Oregon. There's like five guys who were on the field against Oregon and like did not look good defensively who don't play anymore. Yeah. So like that's a big deal. And then CJ Stroud is progressing as a young quarterback would and his shoulder feels better. So all that is true, but. I still think Penn State and Iowa both have better defenses than Ohio State. Easily. And then it's a matter of who has the dynamic offense that can – well, Ohio State's still going to get something. You're not going to shut Ohio State out. So you've got to score a little bit. And I think Jahan Dotson, Sean Sean Clifford, Parker Washington have a better chance to try to get something going and score enough points to outscore an Ohio State offense that is still good but will be held down to some degree by those two good defenses. And I just think Penn State has the better formula to try to beat Ohio State. And to your point, Michigan has played scared or in their own head against Ohio State. Penn State does not. Yeah, they have they have they have not closed games out. They they blew two games in seventeen and eighteen where they were ahead in the fourth quarter, and Ohio State came back. But I thought that was more about Ohio State and that Penn State went toe to toe. They beat them in sixteen, toe to toe in seventeen and eighteen. And then Justin Fields got here, and then they had a weird game last, you know, they had a weird year last year, but that's established there. So I do think that matters. So those are where we have all the Big Ten teams ranked. We have a couple more rankings to do to finish this off again. It's the teams we think that are the best chance of making the playoff will finish that list off next on the College Football Playoff Show. The College Football Playoff Show, where the playoff never ends. Again, would love to have you as a tech subscriber, 817-442-6789, one dollar a month, and would love to have you guys listen to the Tuesday show. The Tuesday show is now a premium show. I don't even premium <laughs> premium ice cream, right? I mean, it's like French vanilla. I don't know what's it. You gotta pay for it. I don't know. What's the like it's it's uh, I don't know. It's not it's not gold plated. I'm not trying to to pull the wool over your eyes here. It's just, just two dudes talking about college football. But if you kind of like this, then you'll kind of like that. So this one's free. Great. We're so excited that you're listening. And it's available on every podcast platform. And then it's like, well, do I want to pay 75 cents a show for a little bit more of these two knuckleheads? Some of you probably do. (laughs) And you you get signed up with your thumb. You scan your thumb on the Apple machine, the Google box, whatever. I don't know what it is. And then you're in. $2.99 a month. You buy everything else on Apple. You buy the latest uh, little Nas X who just slaps, man. He's awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan. I, I mean, my daughters. I mean, I just uh, all day. My daughter's band, they play the little Nas X song during the high school football <laughs> games. It. It's the best. That guy is the best. So you pay for him. And Shahad is the little Nas X of <laughs> sports podcasting. So, I mean, everybody says that. Are, are you the Jack Harlow? <laughs> is that what that makes you? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that guy. No, no, no. They were I know who that is because he's things apart. Yeah. I was gonna say I'm like Tony Bennett, but no, I'm the Jack Harlow guy. Cause That's I awesome. like that guy's not as cool as little Nas X, but he hangs out with him on the on the song. Right? That that's appropriate. Yes. That would make sense. Yes, yes. Should I am I saying Nas or Nas? It, what, it, I, what is it's it? Nas. What it's I, like the it's like the rapper. It's like the other rapper. Yeah, Nas. Yeah, little Nas X. Little Nas X. <laughs> well, you just make you put the little in front, and then it's a different name. <laughs> little Nas X. Right. But he's the best. So you pay for him and you pay for us. And that's how you get it. It's the same thing. $2.99, not per episode, not per episode. $2.99 for a month of Tuesday episodes. So you sign up, take care of it, and then they just take three bucks out of your account 
I mean, your grandma, your grandma gives you Apple gift cards for Christmas. Isn't that what everyone's grandma gives them now? Right. What else are you going to spend it on? My kids, that's what they get. They get the Starbucks and they get the Apple gift cards. Okay. Would love to have you. Grateful for everybody listening right now. Would love to have you try the Tuesday thing for $2.99 for four episodes a month. Where do you have Cincinnati, my friend? I have them five because I do think that we talked about it uh, a little bit in the Tuesday show. They still need some things to go right, right? Like they, I think that they're going to go through. I think they're going to be 13 and 0. Uh, that's going to put them in a fight probably with Oregon, uh, with the Big Ten runner up and with Oklahoma. That's a battle that they can win. It's very possible for them to win that. But if you, there are teams on this list that don't need stuff to go right, that know that they can play their way into the college football playoff. And so that's why I still have them just outside of that top four. We're on the same page here. You have them one spot behind the team that you think is most likely to win the Big Ten. Yes. So you have Ohio State four and Cincinnati five. I have Penn State four, Ohio State five, Cincinnati six. Because I put those two Big Ten teams, I think it's going to be a close game. I think one of those two teams will win the Big Ten. I think they both have a chance to win it. And then, so I put them both ahead of Cincinnati, but it's kind of like they're the same, right? Penn State, I don't think Penn State and Ohio State are going to make the playoff. I just think their showdown will be close, and then one of them will make the playoff. I have Cincinnati six, same reason. So I think we're we're kind of in the same the same zone on here. And again, if you guys for you, for those of you who have not yet subscribed to the Tuesday podcast, dug in a lot on Cincinnati. This Cincinnati is as, as interesting right now as they're going to get. So go listen to that Tuesday pod, which leaves the big three at the top. Everybody knows the deal. I will tell you the playoff predictor. Has Georgia number one? Okay, eighty-seven percent chance to make the playoff, according to that. Bama number two at eighty-six percent. Oklahoma number three at forty-eight percent. So I'm assuming we both have Oklahoma three. Yes. It's not. It's weird to put them here because if we were doing our normal rankings of like who's the best team, how do you think they played, we would have Oklahoma like eighth or ninth or seventh. But you're just assuming there's a chance they get it together, and you're asking yourself who in the Big 12 is going to keep them from this. I do want to talk about this. Oklahoma, Texas this week. Is it B. John Robinson? Could B. John Robinson, is he the biggest hurdle for Oklahoma? Or do you think it is Oklahoma State or Iowa State or somebody else later in the schedule? Or is it this guy who is maybe maybe the best running back in college football. And it feels like to me the type of running back who could win win a game like this almost by himself, almost by himself. Well, I will ask you a question real quick. So Mike Gundy took over Oklahoma State back in 2005. Can you guess how many times he's beaten Oklahoma? Six. Two. So oh. this is a this is an Ohio State-Michigan style, oh my God, he's in his head, right? So like, that game, I, I think, you know, you just, you just, again, same deal. You assume that it's Oklahoma unless Oklahoma loses, which they probably won't. Um, so I, I do think that there's an argument that Bijan's their biggest hurdle left, but I think the bigger hurdle for them is just playing consistent football, especially on the offensive line, because they're better than Texas by quite a bit, in my opinion. And I think the other thing, too, is that they have a really good defensive line. They've been able to kind of hold teams underwater. Like, I mean, for for everything you want to say right now about, uh, you know, how they've played, held Nebraska to 16 points, held uh, West Virginia to 13 points. You know, they, they have some dynamic players on each of those teams, right? Like, so they are playing pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Obviously, Bijan's going to be a challenge. He's going to probably carry the ball 30 times again, like he did last week to beat TCU. Um, if they can hold him to, you know, under five yards of carry, whatever, like that's enough. I don't think that they need to do more than that. The bigger thing for me is them finding consistency on the offensive side of the ball. It is them leaning on those running backs. The other thing that kind of shocks me too, I was texting with a friend of mine who's a, who's was a former Oklahoma reporter. Like they're not really working out anybody else at running back right now, which is something that it feels like they should be doing since they only have two scholarship running backs. I don't know what the plan is there. I don't know what their thought is, but I do think that this is one of those games where like it's a big enough game that maybe they still decide to play their running backs a little more and lean on them a little bit more. So if that happens, I think that opens up everything. 
right? Like I think that I think that a lot of their issues this season have been the fact that they don't want to run the ball and it, it kind of makes them one dimensional because it, it forces them to not take advantage of what's underneath. We've talked about Spencer Rattler all year and how he doesn't want to kind of do those underneath routes. You know, he really wants to go over the top. Uh, the way that you can take advantage of that without throwing the underneath routes is by running some of that, uh, that, that counter and some of that zone running, right? And so if they do that, I, I kind of think that this is going to be a pretty easy win for them, but it is Texas. It is a rivalry game. It is at the Cotton Bowl. I think I'm going to be there. We're still trying to figure out the credential side of that stuff. Um, but you know, I, I think it'll be a really good game. I think it's probably Oklahoma's toughest game left on the schedule. But to me, this is much more about Oklahoma figuring itself out than anything they have to face left on the schedule. We're at the point where if Oklahoma loses, everybody's going to be like, well, of course they lost. Yeah. Like it almost doesn't matter who the op- opponent is because they keep looking like they want to lose. Just like when Clemson lost to NC State, nobody was shocked, right? When they almost lost to Georgia Tech the week before. Oklahoma's at that point, but until it happens, I don't, you can't have them any lower than three because they're more talented than everybody they play. And they're certainly in if they run the table. And there's a chance they're in as a one loss Big 12 chance. Definitely. So they Definitely. even have some wiggle room. So they, they have to be three on this list. And we both have them there. I don't think we need to have a long discussion about Alabama or Georgia. I will say, as the guy who's had Georgia, thinking Georgia's the best team in the country for a while, I have Alabama slightly higher here because I think Alabama's built up the equity that if something goofy happens or if they're the team that loses the SEC championship game, if they both get there undefeated and Alabama loses, I think Alabama's definitely in. Yes. Georgia is still probably in. I think we all agree, just plan on two SEC teams in the playoff. But... Georgia doesn't have the same equity. And so in that room, Alabama got in as a four that a couple in 2017 or 18. What was it? I guess it was 17. Uh, That year where going in to selection Sunday, I thought Ohio state was going to get in ahead of Alabama. It was very close and Alabama got in and being Bama was part of that. Now Ohio state has that equity too, but nobody has more equity than Bama. So I just have to, I give them a slight edge in the get in proposition just because, and then frankly, the schedule, like Georgia's got Florida coming up, right? Georgia has, I mean, Bama, if they get past Texas A&M, I mean, Auburn, LSU, I don't, they kind of lived through the teams that I thought had the best chance to maybe jump up and get them. So I think Georgia's better, but I would have Alabama one, Georgia two in this ranking up best chances of getting in. Yeah, I, I'd probably agree with that. You know, I did glance at the schedules before, and like you mentioned, I mean, jo- Georgia plays in the East, but they do have a couple more tougher games on the schedule. Alabama's got Arkansas, who I just, I think we saw this weekend that they probably just can't hang. They probably just don't have the athletes as yet. Um, and then their other tough game is on the road against Auburn and obviously a rivalry game in the Iron Bowl. And I I will keep banging the drum. I think that Auburn's fraudulent. I, I don't think that they're actually particularly good, and I don't think that they can hang with Alabama. And uh, the other thing, too, is, man, they have to – I don't know about that whole Bo Nix versus this Alabama defense thing. I don't know about all that. So I, I don't think that they have a game on the schedule that really should be especially competitive the rest of the way. And like you mentioned, if they make it through 12-0 – they could cancel the SEC championship game and both would get in, right? Like, I mean, if, if these teams are, are looking at 12 and 0 at the end of the regular season, like it's, it's over. Those two teams are in and they probably not only could be, but I think probably should be the number one and number two overall seeds. Um, you know, we just, again, just look at the rest of the teams that we talked about on this list, right? Lots of them have a chance to make the college football playoff at this moment. Again, sitting here on October 5th, things can change. It's a long season, but sitting here on October 5th, I don't see the team that I feel comfortable saying we'll go and beat one of these two teams. I think that these two teams are still right now uh, ahead above everybody else. And so um, I just don't, I, and, and in the SEC, you know, the SEC, uh, you know, you hear all about the path and the schedule and all that sort of stuff. I just don't think that there's anybody particularly close to the, the class of these two teams. Really easy November. Their next three weeks at least are interesting. As you said, you don't believe in Auburn. I think that's a reasonable thing at Auburn. And then they get, Kentucky and Kentucky is the only other undefeated team in the SEC besides Georgia and Alabama. And then they have the rivalry game after a bye week, they have the rivalry game with Florida. So those are their next three games. And if they get through those, then they're going to skate. You know, I even thinking that Georgia would be the number one seed, which is what we we predicted in the preseason. I just thought they might stumble because they just don't have as much experience getting through here, but it looks like they're a team that has not yet peaked. 
And so the, the best of Georgia is still ahead and they haven't given up a point in the last two games. So, and they played with their backup quarterback last week. So there's still a lot out there for Georgia. And I agree with everything you said. We're looking at Georgia and Alabama being the almost locks for the playoff at this point. Unless Texas A&M springs it. No, I'm <sighs> sorry. Sorry, Jimbo. Oh, boy. I tried Jimbo. Shahan wouldn't let me. Wouldn't let me do well, it. What does, what does, I mean, we're not going to spend, what does like a Texas A&M win look like? Like what, what is the, the stat? What is the performance? What, what is, what does it look like? They have 70 plays from scrimmage and 60 of them involve Spiller and A-Chain. That, <laughs> it's like, oh, they each had 25 carries and five receptions. Cool. It's like, and they were, and they both were on the field every snap. Does being one dimensional against a Nick Saban team seem like something that's going to work? I, I, good luck. I, I mean, see, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in this game is Nick Saban's going to line up and he's going to say, all, every receiver, they could put 12 receivers on the field. We don't care. We're going to put them in man coverage and we're going to dedicate like nine guys to the box because dear God, Zach Galzad is not going to beat us. So listen, I'm just going to keep saying Alabama's going to lose, and then like finally when I'm right in 2031, <laughs> I'll be like, "Told you so." Boom. I think it would be hilarious. I would love to see. It. And most of my enjoyment of college football is is uh, kind of led by what I think is funny. That's what's most important to me. Uh, but <laughs> I, I I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I, I don't see even a path forward for Texas A&M in this game. Unlike last week, I'm not actually predicting <laughs> Alabama to lose because I, I tried to learn. Set my the line at 40. I, I'd have to think about it. <laughs> we'll do that. That that we we can do it for uh, Michael Sarah hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> you, uh, I'll take I'll take Texas A and M plus 40 against <laughs> Alabama this week. All right, thanks to you guys for listening. Would love to have you on the texts. Again, it's a dollar. It's easy to sign up, and we just I, 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 we don't drive you nuts. You know, it's not even every day. It's like here and there, surveys, little nuggets. You know, if you're not keeping up on every single thing with every single playoff contender, and then I think the surveys are fun. And then if you have a question, we'll take your questions. 817-442-6789. It's a a dollar. I think if you haven't ever done something like it, it's sort of hard to explain to people, but it shows up as a text in your phone like it's from your friend. So it's like we're your friend. And I I like friends. I I mean, maybe you don't like me, but I want to be your friend for a dollar. So, and then we'd just love to have you on the Tuesday show, two ninety nine Apple Podcasts. You have to get it on Apple. That's how it works so far. The Tuesday show, it's seventy five cents an episode because you get for three bucks, you get four episodes every month. All right, grab the Wednesday show here every week, every platform. Thanks to you guys for joining us for Shahan Jaharaja. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Playoff Show, the College Football Playoff Show where the playoff never ends. 